Welcome to the Ministry Leader Podcast as we continue to document the changes in youth ministry across the United States as we navigate the COVID-19 pandemic that's sweeping the globe. My name's Brian. I'll be your host for the day. And today is April 17th, 2020, and we are approaching our sixth week under the stay-at-home order that many of us thought would only last for two weeks initially. And I'm recording this again from my home office. It's just me today. So you'll get to hear some of my personal thoughts and personal reflections on the time that we're living through. But as I sit here in my home office and I look out the window, I see two inches of snow on the ground, which any other year I would really be upset about and complaining about. But it's 2020, there's COVID-19, and of course, there's snow on the ground this late in April. So let's put that aside for a minute. Let's stop talking about the weather. I want to talk about the current state of life and ministry that we're experiencing right now. And again, I want to share some of my personal thoughts and personal reflections as it relates to life and ministry that you are living right now with your family, you know, with, with your church and the things that are going on around you and the ministry even that you serve in. And here's where this all comes from. It is a rare case when conversations that I have at home, conversations I have at work, and conversations that I have at church overlap as much as they do right now. In recent weeks, obviously the common factor in all of those conversations has been the coronavirus and how the the, the impact that it's had on life as we knew it. But those conversations obviously have not focused on just the virus itself. Those conversations have been about the impact it's had on our lives. It's focused for a while on just complaining and mourning that we can't do the things that we used to do and we love to do. And man, we can't wait to be able to get back out there and do those same things again. And that's kind of what the conversations have been about. But recently, those conversations are shifting more towards the future life the rest of the way through this pandemic and even beyond it. You see, there's a lot of things that we're missing right now. There's, we're missing major life events, milestones. We're missing sports seasons. We're missing performance seasons, graduations, weddings, funerals, and, and all sorts of things like that. But most notably, regular face-to-face interaction with other human beings is something that we are missing and is an obvious lack in our lives and is impacting us in ways that maybe we don't fully even recognize right now. These things will all have a great impact on life moving forward, I believe. In fact, just this morning, I was reading a Twitter thread, which is not my my normal go-to for news, but this COVID-19 obviously is trending all over the place. And so I've looked to Twitter for some different news. And so I was reading a Twitter thread this morning between a couple of college history professors, and they were discussing COVID-19 as a defining event for this generation. And they likened it to the Great Depression or even the World Wars. As you know, the event itself happened and people adjusted and made adaptations and shifted to life in the midst of it, that as time went on, that generation that, that survived, that generation that lived through these events were impacted for the rest of their lives. That these events, as the country recovered and time went on, that that generation was forever changed. The way they handled money, the way they chose to live and even how they interacted with friends and family and even their work ethic was different because of the events that they lived through and suffered and survived. And we 
now recognize that this is likely that same kind of event, that this is a defining event for this generation of teenagers that we're working with, and that they will be forever changed, and likely you will too, and our world will likely be very different on the other side of this pandemic. And so a few thoughts that keep popping up in in the three arenas of life that I already mentioned, my home life, my work life, and church life that I just want to share that I think are relevant to kind of throw into the mix of our discussion here on the podcast and even in the circles beyond this that, that you interact with. The first thing that just keeps coming to light in the midst of these conversations, the first theme, I guess, would be that normal will never be normal again. And what I mean by that is, as we look back on the things that we did in our way of life, even just five or six weeks ago, that that sense of normalcy will never be the same. And as we entered this time, and even just in the last couple weeks, I've caught myself saying things like, when we get back to normal, when life returns to normal, and hoping (laughs) for life to be what life was before. And I don't think that will ever be the case again. I think we will settle into a new sense of normal. I think at some level we've already done that, but I understand that once we're out of our homes again and interacting in public with one another, that even the way we interact with each other and our sense of normal then will look very different than it did pre-COVID-19. Just last night, we were watching TV with the family, and my daughter was mentioned, she she pushed pause, and she just mentioned how awkward she felt watching people on TV, characters in these movies and TV shows that were shaking hands and hugging one another and high-fiving and interacting in ways that feel so foreign to us right now, that as a teenager in high school, that that will have an impact on the way she interacts with her friends in just a couple more weeks or a couple more months, likely. So normal will never be normal again, and it's time that we begin to wrestle with that and understand that a little bit more. The second thing that keeps popping up in all of these conversations is that um, it's a level of uncertainty about the future. Obviously, none of us know what life is going to look like two weeks, three weeks, a month down the road, or even beyond. And uncertainty about the future has a way of bringing stress on all of us. Stress also, it's good to recognize, can be bad or can be good. So uncertainty about the future can either cripple us or it can catalyze us. And right now I'm seeing both happen. Just this week, I was part of a a live webinar we did on YouTube and Facebook. We were working with Remedy Live, a partner ministry that we love dearly. And one of the things that they, they shared with us in this live webinar was that the the second highest, I believe it was, their statistics are showing over the last year, the second highest cause of stress in a teenager's life is the future, fear of the future, uncertainty of the future. And in the live polling that we did in that webinar, which I'll post a link to that webinar that you can watch another time, parents were listing uncertainty about the future as one of the things that's stressing their kids out at home too. So this is a very real thing, and it's even heightened in this time when we don't know when are we going to get back to school, when are we going to get back to doing some of the things we love, even if it's not all of them. So uncertainty about the future can cripple us. We can feel like we're handcuffed in the things that we used to do, we can't do. We just, we're strapped in. There's no possibilities that the walls are closing in around us. Or 
that uncertainty about the future can catalyze us, can cause us to try new things, create new things, as opportunities seem to be limited and resources seem to be limited, how can we get creative in leveraging those things in new ways? I'll talk more about that later, um, but I do want to just recognize that uncertainty about the future can cripple us or can catalyze us. And that's a theme that's popping up in every arena of my life right now. And then the last thing, the last theme, I guess, that's popping up in all of those conversations is this idea of mourning. Mourning the loss of what was, that life is different now, way different, obviously, than it was. And so we mourn the things that we're missing, but we need to begin looking ahead. So this idea of lament, and lament is this. We've had conversations on national ministries calls. We've had conversations with our local ministry teams. We've had conversations with our Youth for Christ of Northern Indiana staff around this idea of lament. And lament is, it starts with a sense of pain and loss that things have changed and things are not what they once were and things are not turning out the way I had hoped or expected. But then sitting in that, sitting in the pain, sitting in the loss for a time and really reflecting and letting it sink in and understanding why, why do we feel what we feel? And then once we sit there for a while, we begin to see the other side of it. And we begin to see, we begin to rejoice that, that God is still moving. It's maybe not what we had hoped for, but likely it's even better than what we were experiencing before. And so we move through this process of lament. So here's the thing. We may get back to some of what was. But this time that we're living in right now may actually be exposing the fact that some of the ways we did things and some of the things that we were involved in weren't necessarily as effective and meaningful as we once thought. I know for me, as I look back and I recognize some of the things that I mourn, the things that I'm missing, I'm recognizing that those things weren't really as meaningful as I thought they were, that they were just part of my routine. They were just something that I did because I always did it, uh, and it's lost its meaning. But I'm recognizing that now, and it's time of mourning and this time of lamenting. I'm recognizing that there's something new coming. In fact, my, my friend Ryan Anderson shared on a national ministries call just yesterday this passage that he's really been living in for the last couple of days. In Isaiah 43, it comes, it's from verses 18 and 19. It's the Lord talking here, and he says this. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And so I want to use this verse to kind of launch us into the second part of this conversation, and that's this. So what? So what? So we recognize that normal will never be the same. We recognize that uncertainty can, can cripple us or catalyze us, and we recognize that lament right now is important, and now is the time to do it. But what does that mean moving forward? Now is the time. Here's, here's what it means, that now is the time to start thinking to the future. 
You see, the majority of us entered this time thinking that this stay-at-home order, this social distancing would would only last for two weeks, that 14 days was the, the period of time that symptoms began showing up. And so if we could stay away from each other for 14 days, life would return to normal pretty quickly. But here we are, nearly six weeks later, and potentially looking at more. You see, we rushed to action. We tried a lot of things, and we celebrate that. That was not the wrong move in any sense, and that's not my point here. We use terms in Youth for Christ of replace, don't cancel, and I stand behind that. I think that was the right thing to do. But then we recognize that the things that we rushed to that we thought would be for the short term maybe aren't sustainable for the long term. So far, what I've seen and experienced is that what we've been doing, the moves that we've made, the shifts that we've made, have really been about transplanting what we know how to do and moving it to an online venue. And this approach has been successful in pockets, but I would would argue that this approach has only been mildly successful at best, that it's not working across the board, it's not working everywhere, and it's it's been a pretty universal thought in many of the circles that I run in, at least, not just with Youth for Christ, but in our local church, too. The moves that we made initially are not the moves that will sustain us as a community of believers for the long haul, and it's time to think differently. And so my next thought for So What is that times like these have a way of triggering innovation and ingenuity. And so far, we've thought that we were doing both of these things. At least I've thought we've been doing, we've been really innovative and really ingenious in the things that we've been trying. But in reality, what I'm recognizing, again, through this process of lament, is that we had a lot of freedom before this. We had a lot of freedom to, to experiment. We had a lot of freedom to be innovative and maybe didn't take advantage of it. But now, as the walls begin to close in on us, and the restrictions begin to tighten on us. Our resources are limited. Our time maybe could be argued that we have more time, but our resources and our opportunities seem to be more and more limited, that now is the time to begin to leverage those things in new ways. We have to think differently. We have to get outside of that box that as the walls close in, our methods have to change. Our mission never changes, but our methods have to change. And right now we're recognizing that this is an opportune time to be thinking about new methods to pursue as we continue to look to reach our communities and specifically in youth ministry, connect with lost students who don't know Jesus. So I believe that now is the time to unleash our creativity. It's time to start thinking about new ways and new approaches and new methods to ministry and less about trying to squeeze what we know into a box on Zoom or Instagram Live youth groups or using social media as a tool just to promote our in-person activities and events. That maybe there are new things that we can do and new approaches that we need to take to, to ministry to reach a lost world that we've never thought of before. This actually creates space for us to think a little bit more, to be much more creative, and to create something brand new during this time that will launch us even further into the future as we continue to engage with lost people in our communities. 
Here's what that means. It means we have to get used to failure. We can't create something new without taking risks. None of us like it, but we have to be willing to do it. Some call it smart failure. I think smart failure is about taking calculated risks, things that you think might work based on the situation, the circumstances, and the information that you have. Taking some risks that even if they fail, will continue to move you forward or move us forward. Some actually celebrate failure. Some individuals I know actually celebrate and laugh when they fail because they look at it as an opportunity to say, well, I learned what didn't work. I learned what I shouldn't do so that I know maybe what to try next. There are organizations that sit around conference tables and ask questions of who failed this week and what did you fail at? What is a thing that you thought would work that didn't work? And they celebrate it and then they move on. We have to see failure differently. And this is, this is difficult for me. This is difficult for me because I'm an achiever and I love to do things right. But I'm recognizing that if we don't try new things, if I don't try new things, we'll never find the next best thing or the next successful thing or the next fruitful thing that we never even considered because we were comfortable in what we were doing and what we thought was working well. So I want to wrap up with a few additional thoughts that, as I just mentioned, this has been a challenge for me, as it's likely been a challenge for you. But as I've allowed myself to lament and I've allowed myself to accept that others were doing the same thing at different times, we don't all lament and mourn the same ways at the same times. But as I accepted that others were doing the same thing and following the same process I was, I found that my brain has now been able to shift into thinking forward, that that was actually a really helpful step to go through, the pain and the loss, that now I've been able to let go of some of that and think forward. Do I still lament some things? Of course I do. My heart's not calloused. But it's almost as if my brain now has space to think ahead rather than to look back and be upset. I'm excited to see what happens in the next couple weeks and months as ministry leaders like yourselves begin to think forward for your families, for your jobs, for your churches, and for the ministries that you serve in. This is new territory for all of us. And together, I think we can make something beautiful in the future. So thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen, hopefully to be encouraged, encouraged to lament, encouraged to look to the future, and encouraged to create. Chase and myself and those of us on our team would love to know some of the new things that you're trying and or still dreaming about for the future. I want to encourage you to pull some other leaders together, make some plans around those dreams, and to try something new. As you do that, visit our Facebook page. It's just the same as our podcast, the Ministry Leader Podcast. You'll find us on Facebook. Let us know some of the new things that you're doing, some of the new dreams that you have. I think, again, together we can create a new path forward that's going to be beautiful and it's going to open the door to new methods of ministry that's going to help us get in front of more lost students in order to share the gospel of Jesus and the hope that Jesus brings in the midst of all this. So thanks again for listening to the Ministry Leader Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes during this pandemic and beyond.